everybody. I waited for you to set your Dr. Pepper down, then I immediately lifted my coffee cup. Yeah, this is why I kept edging the microphone away from your mug, because you kept clunking it down. That's fair. Who am I? Where am I? <laughs> I'm Autumn. This I is... want my dogs back. My 50 dogs. <laughs> I'm Autumn. This is Coffee and Comic Books. I'm joined, as always, by Rick. Hello. And as you may have ascertained, we have a guest, Nora Blake. You abducted me from Alaska. <laughs> Give me back I, my 50 dogs. I abducted you from somewhere in the western United States. <laughs> That's true. It was somewhere in the western United States. <laughs> We're here this time to talk about uh, Chris Aprisco and Ashley Wood's adaptation of Metal Gear Solid. But before we get to that, Nora, since this is your first time guesting on the podcast, what is your history of reading comic books? Uh, not a lot. That's fair. I read a handful of issues of X-Men that I bought because they had shiny covers when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. One in which Magneto tears Apocalypse ap- Apocalypse? Yeah. That's not his name. Yeah, that's his name. Is it Apocalypse? Yeah, you're you're getting mixed up because last night I was explaining Apocalypse, the planet where Darkseid is from. Right. Yes. Yeah. So you're like, that can't be right, but it, he did it's, rip, it is correct. He did rip Apocalypse apart with his mind while getting beat up. Yeah. And Apocalypse is like, why? whatever that story is. Is that the Apocalypse story that everyone knows, or is that a different story? I, I have not read Age of Apocalypse. I almost would assume, based on the time period, that you're talking about some ultimate X-Men shit. Could be. Um... I just remember the line because he's like, why aren't you fighting back? And Magneto says, I'm concentrating and then pulls him into a million pieces. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of silly considering how Apocalypse is supposed to be really strong. That does sound like some Mark Miller nonsense. So, <laughs> uh, I like Fist of the North Star. You do like Fist of the North Star. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> uh, you know, I've read some comics here and there. None that really... You kind of married into it a little bit. I guess, but I've read some... I've read more webcomics than comics yes. for ages. I'm I'm the world's biggest Order of the Stick fan. Uh, I have found you have some con- competition with that, and it's Chris Sims of War Rocket Ajax, <laughs> which I didn't realize until I was reading... As people this who listen to this know, I'm a huge War Rocket Ajax listener, um... Mm-hmm. And I've been re-listening to some old Every Story Ever specials where I didn't realize he's a huge horror of the stick guy, but apparently he is. So I mean, with good reason. It's a great comic. Um, you ever you you ever an XKCD person? I was at one point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I uh, in high school I read a lot of Penny Arcade because I was dating somebody who really liked Penny Arcade. We all had a Penny Arcade phase. Are you reading I, all three of them or just Penny Arcade? Just Penny Arcade. Not VG Cats and... (laughs) Now, VG Cats is from a different era before even my time with Penny Arcade. Uh (laughs) Were you you an 8-bit theater person? Yes! Okay, okay. That was my first webcomic. Okay. And it's still dear to my heart. Because I'm a bit of an Atomic Robo person, and I didn't... I didn't like Atomic Robo, and I, I always hated when that got in the way of his true art. <laughs> I also don't like Atomic Robo. <laughs> uh, um, I have certainly cooled on Atomic Robo ever since I read Hellboy, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I was an Atomic Robo person, and I didn't know until you moved in with me that... The Atomic Robo guy was the 8-bit theater guy. I had no this idea. This is like finding out that Neil C. Sirega did the ultimate showdown. Of yeah, Ultimate exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And, you know, uh, I've, I've read a couple of smaller things. This actually is my first exposure to Metal Gear. I'd kind of vaguely heard of it through, um, you know, the those, uh, those crazy... Ego Raptor oh, cartoons. Oh, sure, sure. Um, Which we will not be referencing because they're fucking racist a lot. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, and then I found this this volume one in uh, Half Price Books and bought it. And then that's that's what convinced me to purchase Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation from that same Half Price Books the next week. I think I said it over there last night, but in volume two, I did find a receipt from like 2011 or something. Yeah, this, I mean, I bought the first one in 2009. Okay. The second one I picked up way later. Okay. But it, yeah. Yeah. Um I've also just lately I was reading some spawn. You were reading some spawn, despite my uh wishes that you would not. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know. I'm not that much of a comics person, all told. But Well, Rick, what have you been reading this week? Uh, I've been reading one thing that I can't talk about that much because I think it's something you both will like. Okay. I re- um, someone in the Discord was asking about uh, Hellboy and BPRD continuity. Yeah. And that got us talking about it. And so I went back and read Hellboy and Hell and the one shot that came after that. Oh, yeah. We should do Hellboy next year. We should just do all of Hellboy next year, I you think. You want to do all of Because <laughs> that got... is just like... You know, okay. Yeah. Um, because that brings back in, uh, the guy who's been floating on the whole thing forever, um, Rich Sir Sweden Edward Gray, Witchfinder. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Who is the Queen's old magician detective who just does weird stuff in the side of all this universe? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And that, that's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I remember him now. And you haven't read the ones that come right before it, right? Yeah, so I've got Hellboy, I've got all the Hellboy omnibuses, so there's like Seed of Destruction in the first one, and it's Seed of Destruction plus a couple other stories. The second one is, um, it says Strange Places, I feel like it goes like Wolves of August through something else, I don't remember uh-huh. right now. And then the, the ones I haven't read are 3 and 4, The Wild Hunt and Hellboy in Hell. Okay, so the Wild Hut's Down and the Fury is the one of them, and then Hellboy and Hell is the other one, yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to go into that because there's big stuff that happens in those, but uh, one of the bigger things is that that's the first bit that isn't drawn by Mignola. It's drawn by Duncan Figredo. Oh, okay. And then, and then he comes back to Hellboy and Hell with like a style that's even more like low, like cut, pared down than his regular Hellboy style, and it's just gorgeous. I'm going to Google this guy. Duncan Figredo. He did uh, Enigma in the 90s, and then oh. like a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I've seen some of these covers, for sure. His stuff is sick. Yeah, this is really good. It's it's then, really hard to have to, like, draw Hellboy and, <laughs> and not be Mike Mignola, so... Yeah. Why is his hand like that? Uh, I have so many comics you can read if you want to find out why his hand is like that. Uh, you want to know the short answer or the long answer? <laughs> what, what's the short answer? Uh, it's a key. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I've seen red versus blue. I know what keys do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, actually, the Hellboy is also the reason I don't really like the Tom Crow, because it feels like a bad cover band. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I l- read all of Atomic Robo before I read an issue of Hellboy, and so I was like, oh, this is really good. And then when I read Hellboy, I was like, Atomic Robo has its moments, I guess. <laughs> See, I still like Dr. Dinosaur, you know? I, I didn't like Atomic Robo because I didn't like that particular type of um, pulp. Oh, That's okay. not my preferred sort of flavor of yeah. sort of... But what if it's like fifty percent more sad and like moody? <laughs> it's and like not the, jokey. It's like much. the d- diesel punk. You say it's it, not though. jokey, but there is that bit where <laughs> is that a monkey? He's got a gun. He's got a gun. <laughs> I love monk. <laughs> um, and the other thing I was reading in that vein was um, uh, BPRD because we got to talk about that a bit, and I read mm. a bit of it because. So the second Hellboy movie comes out, and they take the character who is a bunch of gas in a bag, who is just very sad about that the whole time, into making the Seth MacFarlane Joe character. Okay. <laughs> and it makes me so mad every time I think about it. <laughs> See, I've been thinking, oh, maybe I should give BPRD a shot one of these days. And now I'm like, mm, maybe I should have somebody tell me what are the good BPRD storylines. I can said... give you the exact run. It's like there's a chunk of it, and then it stops, and then you're good. Okay. <laughs> you said Seth MacFarlane, and I in my head I heard Seth Rogen, so I was like, oh, is it is the joke that the character is weed? I I heard Todd MacFarlane at first ah. in my head, which is why for wait, a second, no, that's what I also thought. For a second, <laughs> I was like Todd MacFarlane, okay, and then I realized Seth MacFarlane joke character means something. Very I don't different. know who Seth MacFarlane is. I was thinking about. Spawn again. Uh, uh, the Seth... Family Guy guy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And... So it is weed. <laughs> <laughs> and then I um, I read a Conan story because I was wanted to read a Conan story. I I've been I've been um flipping through some Conan myself. Not not reading it too closely yet, but um, it, so it'll happen soon. <laughs> this this is one of the ones in one of the big books I have. And um, it's a hilarious story because it's about a guy, not Conan, who takes a gun into a weird cave to kill a guy who's hitting on the girl he likes. Okay. And the girl is, like, playing them both the whole time. And then he falls and knocks his head and isekai himself into being Conan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and, he has a, and he meets the girl and the guy who are now, like, it's the kind of versions of like people back then, and Conan wants her because he just completed his first raid and wants his prize. Just... So they have a big fight throughout this cave, and then they run into these like small reptile people, and the girl and the guy get ambushed when they take the wrong path, and Conan takes the other path and doesn't die. So then it goes back to the guy, and he's like, "Fine, I'll save them," and then they, he dies with some monster, and they they walk off into the night. But the thing about it is, um. It's drawn by Alex Nino, so it looks like this, and it's the best thing in the world. Uh, where is this picture? Uh, because <laughs> while you're fighting uh, that, is it is it a Don Quixote situation, sort of? No, it, it's like a, it looks like that. Okay, it's not loading for some reason. I'm just giving it give it a second. Oh yeah, open uh. browser. I'm gonna just try googling Alex Nino Conan real quick. Is that working? No, I don't know why. Maybe it's a problem with our connection or something. Oh um, bummer. Okay, these these illustrations I'm finding on Google Image searches are fucking good. What do you hear? Like I can this. just give you the link that I just took the image from. 
which is I, which is a one which I found it because I was posting about it a long time ago. Oh, okay. Oh, this yeah, is yeah, sick. Because yeah. the stuff that comes up on Google Image Search is from Savage Sword, so it's all in black and white. But these colors look amazing. Here's my Conan yeah. take. Yeah, tell me your Conan take. I don't like when Conan is drawn with like a monkey face. Mmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was I was flipping through some of those uh, Barry Windsor Smith like early Conan stories. And I enjoyed it, but the Conan didn't seem quite right to me. Okay, Sometimes that's people... hilarious. Do you want know the hilarious part about that? Hmm. Um, I haven't found these actual letters because they're hard to track down, but I've heard stories that people didn't like his Conan because he was too hot. <laughs> <laughs> John Buscema definitely makes him an ugly motherfucker. Or is it Sal Buscema? I don't remember. I like, uh, if this loads, I don't know if it will. Uh, but like he's too leave. He's too like he's yeah. not he's not big enough. Yeah, <laughs> too much of a twink. <laughs> this look, I support all Conan bodies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, people in like the eighties were like, "This is not my Conan. He's not big enough." <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, that's all I've been reading, though. Nora, anything you've been reading? Uh, I was reading this comic called Matchmaker. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What's that? It's, uh, it's, well, it has the most important comic book character ever created in it. It's, it's so fucked up that Kimmy is not in other comic books. It's fucked up, but I guess I understand. They should put Kimmy in Hellboy. Can you imagine if Kimmy and Hellboy <laughs> hung out? Actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm writing it right now. Um, I've also just in the same vein, I was reading Blade Maidens. Oh, yeah. Which is sick as hell. Um, I ordered us that, uh, Godzilla Valentine's Day special, by the oh, way. Okay. So, um, I was reading Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. And the, I thought about going over to my bookshelf and pulling out uh metal gear solid by i think raymond benson which is the the novelization of metal gear solid which is worse than this comic book by quite a bit (laughs) you there would you like to tell the listeners the christmas line that um well in the opening area before he gets on the elevator snake turns a corner and says Merry Christmas, and then punches two different guards in the face at the same time, and then after they're knocked out, he says, I forgot to tell you, Christmas came early this year. <laughs> oh, so it's just a line from the Bond movie. Oh, is it? I thought that Yeah, because her name's Christmas Jones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I did read some Flash Gordon, the newest one. Oh, the, the, the webcomic. Okay, okay. But you need a subscription to read more than like 10 pages mm. at a time, so. The art style wasn't quite clicking for me. I liked it. I, it was I, was, I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't think it was to my taste, you know? Uh, That's fine. I don't care. I'm not the artist. Um, It's weird they don't publish collections of old Flash Gordon. It makes sense because no one but you and me would buy them. I guess so, but they're they're also like weirdly dimensioned. I believe they're big. They're big things. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, because all like the 
I used to know somebody with like all the peanuts collections and mm-hmm. collecting strips is just like weird. They just sit weird on your shelf, you know? Yeah. Um, but I can't find any good scans of Prince Valiant because they're all like cut in half. Oh, right. That makes sense. <laughs> um, well, I have been reading um, a lot of comics, but oh, they kind of fall into two categories, three categories, I think. Um, so one, I've been reading Grant Morrison Doom Patrol because I kind of felt like I'm a Grant Morrison hater and I wanted to give them another shot. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say something. No, I'm burping. Okay. (laughs) Um, Doom Patrol is difficult because (laughs) there's a lot in it to like. There is so much character writing and so much art and obviously like John Workman letters, like I'll read any comic with John Workman letters. The stories are really cool. Um, I, I read Crawling from the Wreckage, um, the Red Jack or something. It's like Jack the Ripper is like an ancient evil god traveling the metaverse or whatever. Um, and then um, I read most of The Painting That Ate Paris. And sort of my very first thought when I was reading the first story, Crawling from the Wreckage, was... I like this a lot, but there is some dicey race stuff, some dicey, like, transgender stuff, and some dicey ableism stuff that might make it hard to keep reading. Um, And I got to the final issue of The Painting That Ate Paris, and um, there is, like, fully a black character who speaks, like, um, uh, what's his name, Jim from Huck Finn, and I'm like, Grant, it's the 1980s. You cannot be writing black characters like this. It's fucking racist and embarrassing. And so I had to put down Doom Patrol. Not um, much of a DP girly, then. Not much... What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I've just been waiting on that the whole time <laughs> you were talking. I really want to like Doom Patrol because mm-hmm. the, the good stuff is fucking exceptional. It's I really enjoyed the good parts of Doom Patrol... Unfortunately, Grant Morrison could not help themselves from writing some fucking racist-ass bullshit. And I'm willing to let them skate by on some of the, like, weird transphobic nonsense that's happening in there because they've had their own sort of journey through gender over the decades. You know, I'm going to cut some slack. Uh, I want to cut some slack on, like, some of the ableism, too, because it's just, like, I don't know. It didn't feel as egregious, but the race stuff just made it, like, really fucking hard to keep reading. So, I want to close that out at some point, but I have set down Doom Patrol for a little while, because, yeah. Um, I haven't gone back to that one in a very long time. Would it be better if Doom Patrol had Doom in it? Doctor Doom? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Every every comic would be improved by Kimmy and Doctor Doom. (laughs) Kimmy and Doctor Doom hanging out. (laughs) Um, it's, it's funny, it's kind of funny that you read that, be, given that what we might be reading next. Oh, right. Because, uh, yeah. that character is a robot man, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're so absolutely ways. right. Um, that's the other thing, is I read Grant Morrison Doom Patrol, and my thought was, superficially, this is really similar to the X-Men, but actually, this is kind of just the Fantastic Four. Like, Robot Man is kind of just the thing, but more on the sad and less on the strong, you know? Um, yeah. 
the thing from Fantastic I, the, the, Four. The thing people hold up about that book is that it's like a lot of art history we woven into the stories, and I haven't got mm-hmm. back to it in forever. But yeah, that's that's what a lot of it is. And the the like, um. The thing that I was worried about, like, the the meta stuff of, like, oh, we're going into stories, we're going into paintings, we're going, like, you know, all that, like, oh, like, kind of poking fun at how silly comic books are, I actually enjoyed that element to it way better than I thought I would. It's just, you know, it's fucking racist sometimes, so. Uh, also, the one, the, the series that comes after Morrison's. The Rachel Pollock by, series. It's very, very good. There is a big omnibus of that at our local uh, comic book shop, and I've been thinking about picking it up, but I have not pulled the trigger on it yet. Um, I also, I really like Umbrella Academy, so one of these days I'll get around <laughs> to reading the Gerard Way Doom Patrol. Um, uh, I should say, I really like the first six issues of Umbrella Academy and have never read anything past that, so for all I know it gets bad. But the first six issues of Umbrella Academy are some of my favorite comics. I really love those, so... Bringing up Way and Morrison at the same time just reminds me that he had a convention to himself that he had a bunch of art people at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I reading Umbrella uh, Academy, I was like, this dude fucking loves uh, Grant Morrison comics, but understands how to write characters a lot better. So, <laughs> uh, other stuff. Else? Other stuff I've been reading. Um, I read the Brood Saga. I read the Wolverine miniseries. I read the Magic miniseries. Um, I mentioned this on stairwells. I got to what I believe you called your favorite page of X-Men, which is Marco standing him up at the altar, and um, Jason <laughs> Wingard is, like, smoking and looking evil. Um, I think I have read all the Paul Smith issues of X-Men, which, that's a hell of a run. Paul Smith, um, I was very skeptical of him at first, taking over from Dave Cockerham, who's my fave, but Paul Smith really won me over. Uh, by so, the end of it. Who's drawing it now? Um, so where I left off, the last Paul Smith issue, half of the issue is done by Paul Smith and half of the issue is done by John Romita Jr. Oh, yeah. Um, and then right after that is the Magic miniseries. So I have not started the John Romita Jr. era properly yet, but um, oh, excited. Fun stuff in there. Are you going to yeah. read to where it ends? Um, I, I don't know. Um, there's five, like, thousand-page omnibuses out. I just finished the third one. So I'll read four and five, and then we'll figure out where to go from there. Um, I don't know if that covers all of the Claremont era or what. Um, so we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. It yeah. probably doesn't, just because of what his last three issues were. Right. <laughs> it was the, the first the, three the issues of the next volume. The handoff from him to Jim Lee is, um rocky it sounds like <laughs> well it's not it's more that he like puts a giant screed in magneto's mouth at the very end of his run about the changing of the guard <laughs> <laughs> okay okay yeah it's fun uh <laughs> um and last but not least i've been reading a ton of post-crisis batman i read um i read the uh mike w Barr, alan davis todd mcfarlane year two that comic is fucking weird um, because it is not the comic it was meant to be um, because Alan Davis is supposed to draw the whole thing and then he quit DC in the middle of the story and Todd McFarlane comes in and Todd McFarlane on Batman is just not what you want quite. Um, 
uh, Marv Wolfman, year three, way better. The art's not as good as Alan Davis, but um, I really liked year three. It's kind of the introduction. It's, <clears throat> it's two things. It's one, immediately after um, A Death in the Family, Batman is like, doing a very bad job of processing um, uh, Jason Todd's death. Um, and so Nightwing is trying to help him out with that. And also, it is like flashing back to, um, you know, a slightly retconned origin for Dick Grayson now that we're in post-crisis continuity. Um, I really liked that storyline. I really liked um, A Lonely Place of Dying, which is the introduction of Tim Drake right after that. And then most of the other stuff I've been reading is like, Norm Berryfogle and Alan Grant write three issues where Batman cracks down on drugs. And, like, there's no continuity stuff that matters. But, hey, Alan Grant and Norm Berryfogle, that's a hell of a team. <laughs> you know? That's yeah. the fucking Judge Dredd guys right there. <laughs> um. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of Batman stories I read that are just like, Batman beats up this guy. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Davis Joker is a hell of a guy. I really liked the Alan Davis Joker story because he looks fucking weird. Um, yeah, I think that's everything I've been reading. Um, cool. Metal Gear? Metal Gear. Metal Gear? Um, I, I feel like everybody thinks that they have a better snake voice than they do. I think the key is to get the rhythm that he talks in. Archon, get a grip, <laughs> um before we get into the book itself rick what is your history with the metal gear solid franchise okay so when i got a ps2 in 2004 the first game i got with it that christmas was metal gear solid 3 hell yeah i had not played metal gear solid 1 or 2 at that point <laughs> which if you had to pick one of those games to play first it might be that one or the first one. I Metal Gear Solid 3 is the only one I have played because somebody in the early 2010s told me, oh, well, Metal Gear Solid 3 is a prequel, so that's the best place to start. And I just <laughs> believed them. I didn't know that at the time. And then um, <laughs> on the PS3, when they put out that collection of 2, 3, and Peace Walker... Mm-hmm. I played uh, them in order for the first time because one was on the backwards compatible and then the rest of them all the way through 4 were there. That was around when 4 came out, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe after. Anyways, um, I am a subscriber to actually Nora's belief that I think the series goes downhill at 3. That's right. That's right, baby. <laughs> because uh, Kojima starts to only care about Big Boss from that point on. And answering questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the was, openness at the end of two is just oh, it's so good. Reading this comic, um, and listening to some totally reprise about Metal Gear Solid Two, I'm like, I really like three, but yeah, it definitely does become about answering all the mysteries. I also preferred the like near future mm -hmm. sci-fi with weird paranormal stuff in it more than I liked the sort of vibe that three and peace walker and four brought to the to that aspect because like i'm fine with everything being with all this paranormal stuff being like explainable mm -hmm. in like a stephen king way but it felt less fun 
mm-hmm. when like everything had an answer and everything was like well actually it was made by this person and it does this okay okay actually th- three and four feel very in a funny way they feel very comic booky in that they they do the thing where like if you play if you run a comic book long enough you eventually cut back in on itself to tell the stories that you like hinted at which mm-hmm. has which usually dilutes the whole thing you did earlier because then you're like okay now i know everything i don't know any, anywhere to go with it Right, right. Which is, it's funny because there's a whole other game that they could make that they skip, which is about Raiden yeah. post-MGS2. Not to, like, get too into details if anyone's listening, like Molly, who <laughs> doesn't <laughs> spoilers, but there's, like, a whole implied mission, basically, that Raiden has between 2 and 4. That could, like, you know, that would have been a fun thing to play. Mm-hmm. That could have been what Rising was, and then it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was bad. <laughs> um, Nora, how about you? What's your Metal Gear history? Well, in 2009, I purchased this here comic book. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that year, uh, New Year's Eve that year, I finished MGS2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was big like in the hole mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and uh, I played all of them. Except for 4. I didn't play 4 until I bought a PS3. I bought a PS3 with Metal Gear Solid 4, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, uh, Resident Evil 5, and Bionic Commando. That was my, like, batch of PS3 games. Oh, I had also read Ashley Wood comics before playing Peace Walker. Which I don't believe that... Yeah, yeah. Which is funny, because... The comics are what got Ashley Wood to work on Peace Walker. <laughs> um, There's also the uh, digital graphic novel, which is uh-huh. this comic on a PSP disc. <laughs> um, a UMD? Yeah, a UMD, a Universal UMD. Media disc uh, that pans through the, uh, like, swat, like, makes the art move and morph in weird ways. Oh, Infinite Comics. It doesn't look good. (laughs) It kind of makes you play a visual novel out of it. Yeah. This was, this was, uh, it was the style at the time, because Marvel and DC were also doing um, versions of this with, like, the guided view in Comixology and... Oh, yeah. (laughs) um, There's, like, a there's, like, a really good Mark Wade Daredevil Infinite comic, um... But then you read the printed version that doesn't do all this, and you're like, wow, that's way better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your history, Adam? For me, like I say, I played uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 in, like, mm, let's say 2011. Um, And then I I didn't have a way of playing Metal Gear Solid 1 unless I played Twin Snakes, and so I just... listen. (laughs) um i should have just played twin snakes back then i think twin snakes secretly in maybe the top three metal gears um and so i i I didn't have a way to continue from metal gear solid 3 back in those days so i just didn't um and then my first or second year of college i watched through all of metal gear scanlon um, since then I have learned that I either didn't watch Metal Gear Scanlon 4 or don't remember it, because you'll tell me some stuff that happened in Metal Gear Solid 4, and I'm like, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a also, pretty big game. <laughs> also, 
I think that Dan Riker does his level best to make Metal Gear Solid way more confusing than it actually is. Because yes. <laughs> um, reading this comic book, I'm like, this game is super straightforward. Why does Dan make this sound like it's, the, you know, rocket well, science? Well, there's, there's layers. Yeah. I did... I, uh, as, you know, re- returning to this story again. Mm-hmm. I, I in this discussion I don't want to talk about the weird ties to the other the like mm-hmm. retcons mm-hmm. um coming from like MGS three and stuff. Just to again like sort of yeah avoid the spoilers. But it was on my mind all the time when something comes up and it's like <laughs> that's not what that means anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, I, I did last night I booted up Metal Gear Solid One on the Steam Deck and I'm like you know what? I like. I get why people are Metal Gear Solid weirdos. You know, right. Can I, ask I, I understand. About Please. your performance playing Metal Gear Solid last night? <laughs> no, you cannot. Um... <laughs> I just I heard certain sound effects a lot. <laughs> I heard the <laughs> a lot. I did you an... make it through the front door? I took an edible. Uh huh. And I got up the elevator. Uh huh. And. I'd like to remind you that I made you dinner. <laughs> Not relevant, but continue. Um, I, I aced it on making dinner. That's true. Um, Not relevant, continue. I did not <laughs> make it through the front door. No. You did, did not go into Shadow Moses. No. That okay. <laughs> I did. Now, how many times did you try? Um, so anyway, this book starts with... <laughs> <laughs> um, this... Uh, before we before we get into talking about the comic proper, I'll say straight up that I liked the second half of this series yeah. a lot better than the first half. Um, kind of. Don't worry about that. <laughs> kind of like broad picture stuff. Um, I think that the first half of this series is way more of just the script of the video game, and the second half it's sort of like. Finds its feet a little bit more, and also I think Ashley Wood's um, art um, just hit a little harder for me in the second half of the series than the first. So, um, I guess yeah. we should summarize Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, before that, this is the, this is a series I never realized this until reading this series and looking it up. I didn't realize IDW stood for something. What? Yeah, it's it's a idea and design works. I had no idea. Because I found that out because I was looking up the writer of this, um, who is the vice president of the company at the time this came out. Yeah, you mentioned that before we hit record, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense, because it is... I have a quote here. Yeah. It's very funny. Uh, this September, I probably, yeah, brings fans of all ages a series based on Metal Gear Solid with unprecedented media support and devoted creative team. After acclaimed work with television properties such as The Shield and CSI... <laughs> Fans are expecting a lot from this video game adaptation. And the writer oh. spoke to CBR about this. <laughs> oh. uh, later um. in this interview, he goes on to com- or they go on to compare Metal Gear Solid to Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> if you want to scroll up in the chat a bit, I put that quote there. I don't want to read the whole thing because it's nothing, but it's just mm-hmm. funny how someone can think of those two in the same breath. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um yeah that doesn't make any fucking sense um 
I'm noticing here that Chris Aprisco worked for Wildstorm from 1995 to 1999, which makes a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. Also makes sense why Ashley Wood would have been chosen for this project. Um, and uh, they pitched Kojima this, and Kojima liked the Ashley Wood stuff, which ex- explains a lot going forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, um, sometime in the near future, in a $5 episode, we will be talking about Ashley Wood and Joe Casey's automatic Kafka with Nora. Um, that, that, I, that might get pushed back ever so slightly because, um, I wanted to do some Jack Kirby comics to start 2024, but (laughs) it'll be pretty soon, probably in January. So, but yeah, uh, this is, I guess the big thing about this book, right, is that Metal Gear Solid is a game that takes place from you being snake and it doesn't really cut away from that all that often. And this book can't run like that. Yeah, this this book is cutting over to what Liquid Snake, Ocelot, and... Sniper Wolf. Yeah, Sniper Wolf. Mostly Liquid Snake and Ocelot, who are <laughs> so... very different from how I remember them in the video <laughs> now, game. Now, there's a webcomic. I believe it's called The Last Days of Foxhound. Uh-huh. It is a long comedy webcomic. Mm-hmm. One of the jokes in it is that Revolver Ocelot has some sort of backstabbing disease that he uses an <laughs> inhaler to suppress because <laughs> he keeps backstabbing people. Yeah. Um, it is a prequel to Metal Gear Solid uh-huh. and it is entirely like roommate hijinks with Foxhound, <laughs> basically. That's kind of the tenor of... I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking of when I was reading these cutaways to <laughs> Ocelot and Liquid. Yeah. They also do a bit more with the, the Hal and Sniper Wolf bit we'll get to, and a bit more with Gray Ooh. Fox that we'll um, also get to. <laughs> Psycho Mantis. Yeah, the, the page where Psycho Mantis negs Gray Fox for a bit is came out of nowhere, and I was like, what is going on in this comic? <laughs> <laughs> the... The thing that I was telling Molly last night after finishing this comic was this comic is kind of just uh, Snake walks around Shadow Moses. He meets some guys that tell him tragic backstories and then he keeps moving. (laughs) But sometimes you get cool panels like Ocelot, two hands? Ocelot being so freaked out about losing his hand is really funny. <laughs> he really seems to shake it off in the video game from my memory, but in this comic, he is a pussy baby for the rest of the series. <laughs> if you got your hand chopped off on the job and had to stay on the job, <laughs> would you be like, yeah, I'll risk my other hand. I'll go pick a fight with the guy who took my hand. Uh, this is This is way jumping ahead. This is from volume two. Um, I was getting to the bit where Snake is getting tortured, and I had the thought, how are they going to do the bit where Snake lays down in the ketchup and crawl? They don't. (laughs) They don't. (laughs) They don't go, they don't do the part where you trick Johnny, who's not, sir, not appearing in this comic. Yeah. (laughs) Into letting you out because uh, you put ketchup on your stomach. (laughs) There's also, um, so... Ashley Wood style goes between like three different styles throughout this. Like there's the very rough pencil stuff that looks really good. There's like almost, it's almost like looks like a computer's doing it where it's like colored in and like very like big color splotches. 
Yeah, stuff. there's like bits where it almost looks like the PS1 models, especially yeah. in um the first volume of these. And it transfers between these styles a mm-hmm. lot, like within scenes, and it it's a really cool effect, but I do prefer his work when it's all like the one style that we'll be getting later. Or like more of one style. I guess it's always like that. He always jumps around a lot. It's fun. Yeah, this is part of why I liked the um, second volume better, is because it seems to go more into paintings or pencils and less of the digital stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of why I the the second volume worked a lot better for me. I think that, you know, as somebody who doesn't do comics a lot, I did, like, Ashley Wood is just, like, a guy that I remembered after reading this comic and every time i see his art i'm like hell yeah that looks so cool yeah i reading the second volume was where i was like it sort of all clicked into place for me of why you love it so much the first volume the 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 storytelling isn't quite there i thought um some of the like some of the stuff with like where it almost looks like the ps1 models looks like poorly lit to where i can't tell what's going on i also like the little low detail background parts where like sniper wolf just has two little dots for eyes and a little open <laughs> mouth like a fish um you don't even notice in the moment because it's just like it moves so quick you know it just like takes you from one panel to the next so easily also so th- this came out in 2004 right so metal gear at that point is three that right? sounds right. That sounds right. Um, yeah. Metal Gear Solid 3. Let me look it up on ye old Wikipedia real quick. That should come out in 05, right? That came out in 04, it looks 04. like. So well, I would I would bet you that when this came out, it was just Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2, and Twin it, Snakes. What were you saying, Norm? Well, yeah, it's explicitly Twin Snakes, because that's this is built off of Twin Snakes, not after the, after the PS1 version. Oh, like, okay. This adaptation specifically is pulling multiple points from okay i i don't know twin snakes enough to to have recognized that so the difference is that the cutscenes are way more exaggerated Uh, yeah they're way more like action movie matrixy stuff Mm -hmm. and that's like the part where sniper wolf and snake both shoot each other at the same time right that's one of those things although snake doesn't like catch a sniper rifle from the air and then (laughs) look around and do like do a 360 uh, with with, not a no scope but with a scope um but like the the heat and cooling vents Mm -hmm. that you shoot in the control room are in twin snakes so you don't have to take the key back (laughs) i was okay (laughs) i was i was thinking about um that the fact that uh, in this comic, um, Snake doesn't have to run back through all, through all of Shadow Moses to get the sniper rifle or to heat up and cool down the key cards was really funny. There are there are a couple of those little details that are like from um, Twin Snakes. From Twin Snakes, yeah. Okay. Is, is also, the first ninja fight in Twin Snakes, or is that a thing for this? Um, the. When he cuts when he cuts off Ocelot's arm and then they have a fight right there in that room. They they have an extended cutscene. Yes, I do remember yeah, that okay. cutscene from Twin in, Snakes. In Twin Snakes, yeah. I watched <laughs> the Twin Snakes cutscene so much because I downloaded them and made AMVs out of them. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like also the part where Gray Fox fighting Rex is longer too. I think it's it's also a more involved fight scene as well. 
Yeah, I straight up didn't remember that at all. So when it starts happening in this comic book, I'm like, oh, interesting. They're just making up new stuff now. Because <laughs> the first volume of this is not making up new stuff. It is the script of Metal Gear Solid. With less details than the briefing on Metal Gear Solid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do love that uh, all the terms are like uh, the comic cutting telling you what issue to go to. But it's like instead, it's like land, land vehicle or whatever. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, submersible... Diver, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. On-site procurement. On-site yeah. procurement. <laughs> OSP. I I do love the the sound effects that Wood does in this. Yeah the um the one I'm thinking of right now is from the Hind D um in Volume Two, but that also happens early on where it's just like the entire page is filled up with butter 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 butter. <laughs> I really like well, first the. The shooting the um all the guards with Meryl at the beginning. Oh that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. The splash page. Uh, the ocelot one's is... good too. The ocelot fight. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the ocelot's the one I was looking for. Right uh, oh now. right, where there's just like blam, blam, blam. Bang, 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 bang. Oh bang, bang. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which they're both holding guns and need to reload, so. <laughs> Uh, I I do love that I love to reload during battle makes it into this comic. Is that from Metal Gear Solid 1? I think so. Yeah, he'll say that while he's running around. Oh, I've never heard it in that game. I always remember it from 3. Mmm, yeah. Um, he says it much more languidly in 1 because he's old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's good. Shut up. <laughs> And then there's like just pa this page is like the one with the ninja on like what is it page when he shows up oh it's yeah. good um oh. another classic one and God. like there's a lot of um there's a lot of two arts I think when I think about Ashley Wood a lot is one's Yoji Shinkawa obviously like Wood got a hold of some of his work and uh, yeah yeah and then the other one is Bill Sinkevich there's a lot of Sinkevich oh, in yeah. here oh absolutely. Um, and I think that just makes sense timing wise too, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That you'd see like that kind of like that Moon Knight stuff or that Electro Assassin it, stuff and then go yeah, into I was going to say, this is very Electro Assassin. Um, yeah. Which um, Solid is was... also in a lot of ways like in a, in a weird way. It's almost like that, the pushing forward of that like Frank Miller, like A's. I'm... I would not be surprised if you asked Kojima and he was a huge <laughs> fan of Electra Assassin. Um, yeah, or something to that effect. Who knows? Or what's the Bilsenkevich um, Daredevil one? Love and War. Uh, yeah, I would not be surprised <laughs> if he's a big fan of those. Um, uh, I was I was flipping through Electra Assassin again, and I'm kind of bummed I was not on that episode of the podcast. Um, but... I got the Demon Bear Saga in my future. I, I might switch what? over to reading New Mutant. Okay, so New <laughs> Mutants is a X-Men spinoff. It's a movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, at a certain point, Bill Sienkiewicz of Electra Assassin comes on. And let me let me show you the Demon Bear from New Mutants real quick. Um, yeah, sure. I haven't been playing enough Baldur's Gate. Uh, <laughs> There's no uh, mailing movie quotes in this, is there? No, there's not, which is a fucking bummer. <laughs> or like, you should go see Godzilla. <laughs> or that's that's more too, but yeah. <laughs> that's, that's paramedic, isn't it? I, re I No, remember... she does it too. Doesn't she do it I too? 
I remember the Godzilla. you should see Godzilla for Metal Gear Solid Three, but I would totally believe that Mei Ling is also like you should. Well, go Mei watch Ling Godzilla. does the proverbs. Oh yeah, 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 the proverbs. Yeah, yeah. There's the demon bear. This so, guy's fucking sick. I, can I ask a question with the caveat that I want less than thirteen words of an answer? Okay, sure. What's the demon bear? Bear. Uh, demon bear. Okay. The 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 okay. new mutants. They fight a demon bear. They fight a demon bear. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read this book, so I don't. I I'm gonna read this soon, but I all I know about demon bear is that the new mutants mean a demon bear. I like the look of that demon bear. It's oh, a pretty man. fucking sick demon bear. He, he's giving uh, the big square guy from Spider Verse. Do you know who designed Big Square Guy from Spider Verse? No. Bill Sienkiewicz. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I was looking through this. Yeah, there's some stuff. Um, giant and Shaman. <laughs> Man! Vulcan Raven. Vulcan. If I know two things about that guy, <laughs> Giant and Shaman. And Ashley Wood read those two words like, okay, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Ashley Wood decided to make Vulcan Raven the star of this comic. <laughs> I love the bit where Vulcan Raven is going around shit-talking Revolver Ocelot. <laughs> Whatever, little girl. <laughs> also, the a, fact a... that Ocelot would rise to that is so funny. It's really funny. <laughs> um, the, the bit I think of is when they actually confront her in volume in the second half, and mm-hmm. Snickles in the room, and Raven is so big. Vulcan Raven is a Fist of the North Star character on that splash <laughs> yes. page. Yes! <laughs> Dark, Dark Souls uh, boss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking Snow is shows up. <laughs> the only thing that's a bummer about like the the, the Foxhound people a bit is that because their boss fights in the games are kind of like not that much going on. You can't really extend those to like long comic scenes. So the Vulcan Raven thing is like two pages. <laughs> yeah, uh, this. At some point, we should summarize Metal Gear Solid. But, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, the the ending of this comic being like within four pages, the entire climax of they don't get on the jeep and like go out of the like <laughs> he fist fights Liquid and then it's over. Yeah, it's like a page and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody tell me what happened in Metal Gear Solid, as if I hadn't read it. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll take a swing at this, but if you want to, Rick, you go ahead. I'll try, sure. Um, Solid Snake, a legendary soldier, is recruited to go to Shadow Moses Island to stop a group of terrorists who have taken it over and are demanding money and genetic material, or they will start nuking places. And then it's revealed later on that it's all a big, weird cover-up, and Snake does not know what's going on. And then he wins. <laughs> Question mark? And they Everyone... cut out the best part of the game, the epilogue. There are uh. only four people who live through the Shadow Moses event. Yeah. <laughs> Incident, please. Event. <laughs> uh, which are, of course, Snake, Marilyn, Otacon, and then somewhere. Revolver. Yeah. They don't do the epilogue. I also was frustrated by the lack of epilogue. I... <laughs> Mr. President. It's the best ending line in a video game. No one knew that you were the third. Solidus. <laughs> I forgot that Solidus is introduced at the end of one. He's the no, president. He's, good. He's, He's the, the president. Pre- He's the current president. <laughs> 
I um, George W. Bush was a product of the the Les Hongkongs <laughs> <laughs> The the um the thing that does that make H. W. Bush big boss? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes Jeb liquid. <laughs> We don't do episode titles on this podcast, but <laughs> but I'm now imagine, I'm not seeing the picture of him with his hands over the up with the yellow on his with just liquid's face. <laughs> anyway, but that, this raises anyway. the question: Is it liquid Jeb or liquid Bush? <laughs> anyway, the thing that um, this comic makes clear that watching Dan Reichert explain. Uh, Metal Gear to Drew Scanlon does not is that the cover up thing is pretty straightforward. Oh yeah, the Secretary of Defense is just trying to do a coup, um, and he's manipulating Snake and Foxhound into getting him the nuclear weapons so that he can do a coup. It's it. There's not that much to it, you know. <laughs> um, and also, also, and they they do change about, around who's telling. Who, what, when? Like everyone mm-hmm. on the island except for Snake knows about Fox Die, but which I don't believe Liquid knows about it. Yeah, I that that was that was new to me, and but, so I'm glad to hear that you think that's just changed around because I was like, I don't think that's how they that also goes. don't have him have like. Does he even die of a heart attack? He Maybe dies of right? yeah, he does right at the end. Yeah, yeah. They they get out on the jeeps and then he di- he follows them and dies. Right, but they don't have the part where Snake realizes what's happening and says "fox," and then uh, Liquid oh, yeah. says "die." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like as soon as as soon as um, the Armstead guy dies, everyone on the other side knows that Fox dies in the building. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which, um, as soon as Asa doesn't die from it, you're like, oh, he's definitely on the side of the person doing all this. Yeah, that was that was the thing that crossed my mind. It was just like, wait, so why doesn't Ocelot die? And this this book does not explain um, uh, Fox die very well at all. It gives all the Vulcan Raven to do in the middle of their fight. Yes. Instead yes, of exactly. not only doing, giving it to you on the elevator in a big codec call. Man, the elevator isn't in this comic. The fucking Akira elevator isn't in this comic. It's fucked up. <sighs> That's true. You might the think big, of it as the Evangelion elevator, Nora. The big cargo elevators are the best. They really are. When I think of the Akira elevator, I specifically think of the slanted one. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There's one of those in Metal Gear Solid. There's one of those in Metal Gear Solid. Where is that? I forget. You fight it's, all the guys. When you're doing the key stuff, you go down the elevator. Oh, by the four. What is that? Smelter room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The terrible room everyone hates. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, you want to know something else about Twin Snakes? Yeah. By the way, you know uh, how much easier Revolver Ocelot is when you can aim in first person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard I... about that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when I was watching. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the little cutaways to um, the arms tech president being like, hey guys, please don't kill me. <laughs> and Snake and Ocelot just running around. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I, this is, I will just talk about Metal Gear stuff if I don't 
rein myself in. We can go back to the talk about the comic. Book. Okay. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I kind of hit it all because I just like my main thing is that I think Ashley Wood's art um, works a lot better for me in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. Aprisco's script, um, even if it's really dumb and stupid, I think once he gets a little he gets a little looser with it in the second half. Um, There's definitely like a bit of that uh, 90s edginess remaining because like half the yeah. half the insults are like people calling each other bitch all the time. <laughs> yes, for real. <laughs> oh, um, the psychomantis dream. The psychomantis oh, yeah, yeah, dream yeah, yeah, was yeah. fucking weird. I'm to get to that. It's wild. Master Miller shows up. <laughs> Master Miller shows up. <laughs> it's it's really funny that Psycho Mantis is like, how did you see through it? And Snake is like, it was really bad. <laughs> you do, you're not good at details. Yeah. Why would Master Miller just show up all of a sudden? Why would Ocelot have two hands? <laughs> the thing we all know about Ocelot. <laughs> I watched him lose hand number one an hour ago. <laughs> The the, well, the fist fight with the ninja and snake is well done. They actually spend time on doing that one. Oh, talking about the ninja reminded me of the absolute dog shit worst part of this comic, which is how badly Sniper Wolf immediately wants to fuck Otacon. I don't understand it. <laughs> I feel like the game did not imply that she actually was interested in him. She looks at him one time and is like, "Well, he feeds I ha- her dogs." He feeds her dogs, right. And then she's like, I want to fuck immediately. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know about all that. It's also weird because it's like the the bit where um Ocelot is like, oh, she always falls for her prey as a justification for why she kind of falls for Snake. I'm like, okay, that I, sure, that makes sense, I guess. She's a weird military freak. Yeah. In the in the style of so metal, many Metal Gear characters, but like her falling for Ocelot does not make any fucking sense <laughs> at all. <laughs> or not Ocelot, Otacon. There's a there's a, the funny bit in that is when Snake's climbing down the tower and the rope gets shot and then Ocelot's like, "Snake, there's a sniper." <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's so fucking funny. He's like, he's "Thanks for the like, where were you 10 seconds ago (laughs) also he gets the missile launcher and the sniper rifle like on like the second page of the comic yes yes. and then he has them the whole time somewhere apparently but then (laughs) he doesn't use the missile launcher on the hind D he takes down the the hind D with his pistol of course he's doing a Resident Evil 4 challenge run I I read that as a die hard but sure Oh, it's definitely yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that part in Live Free or Die Hard where he uh, launches a motorcycle into a helicopter. Uh, I've not seen Live Free or Die Hard, but I do remember that from the trailer. Yes, yeah, <laughs> he just killed the, the helicopter with a bike. <laughs> the only part I remember that, that movie is the one where he stands on the wing of the plane. Oh yeah, I think that's also in the trailer. <laughs> I've only seen Live Free or Die Hard and. Uh, last year, I think we watched Die Hard. I think two years ago now. Uh, maybe. Um, oh, the, 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 these pages Big where Mantis. Psycho Mantis goes and negs Gray Fox is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Big Mantis. Yeah. <laughs> um, Psycho Mantis <sighs> is such a fucking loser in this book. <laughs> I thought... No, never mind. <laughs> 
I keep thinking about other Metal Gear things. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's very hard at this point to pull the series apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's Even some... all the way to, up to five, which yeah, is annoying. There's, a, there's, I was specifically thinking about the Man on Fire when I was reading there is, the Psycho Mantis stuff in here. There is parts where they're talking about Big Boss in this game that I I was thinking about five, and I'm like, I nope, nope. I don't even really understand all that crap because I I have seen like four cutscenes for Metal Gear Solid Five. Well, there's only five of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but regardless, um, uh, I'm reading through this page you sent of Mantis, Liquid, and Ocelot <laughs> chatting. Um, <laughs> I will peel his mind apart like an onion, layer by layer. <laughs> They they showed another thing with the Mantis fight where he he starts reading Snake's mind and t- talking about all the comics he likes. <laughs> <laughs> you are a fan of Batman <laughs> <laughs> instead of Castlevania. You like the uh. red spawn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and no- notably, they do Metal Gear Solid Two, a comic, and uh, this guy's not writing it, but actually was still drawing it. <laughs> Oh, who yeah, writes the I do want to Metal Gear Solid 2 one. comic. I have the art book of all of the art from both comics, but I don't have the actual comic for I don't remember who they replace him with. It's really funny. Um okay, okay. I couldn't when I googled Metal Gear Solid 2 um uh comic, the first thing that comes up is the Metal Gear wiki page for Metal Gear Solid 2 Band Dessine, which is just the French translation. <laughs> yes. No, that word is in Japan. Oh, that's okay. A, that's a okay. title of the book in Japan that used the French comic word for some reason. To... <laughs> that's fucking Cause, silly. Because Metal Gear. Because <laughs> Metal Gear. Um, uh, Alex Garner. I'm not familiar with Alex Garner. Um, again, at the end of the day, this is not the worst Metal Gear uh, adaptation. That book is not very good. I think this uh, this comic does a pretty good job, honestly, of conveying all the facts, characters, themes, and ideas of uh, Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> we we did, Rick and I described this as the worst written comic that we've read for the podcast, <laughs> and that's true, but I still really enjoyed this Yeah, book. it was fun. Yeah. Uh, the the, thing the, that, that one me... that one panel of of liquid is one of the goofiest bad things I've ever read. But <laughs> <laughs> also the scene where they shoot all the birds and Gray Fox cuts the birds in half. That's pretty sick. It's Gray Fox funny. cuts the birds in half. It it's a dream. Rocks. <laughs> the um the art is absolutely what drew me to this when I first yeah yeah yeah. yeah for sure it's sick. Um. I'm trying to find anything about who this Alex Garner is. Um, I found some drawing of uh, Batman fighting the Court of Owls, which uh, is a pretty good drawing. Um, Also, I can't tell if this is the Authority or the JSA. Um, Is there... um, So, everyone gets out at the end, like, both of them. Yeah. Is that that Twin Snakes? Or is that just... No, that's just... Uh, the story as it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, that's like the canon ending. Yeah, I believe that they everyone just gets out. Yeah, there's but, no like torture fail state. 
<laughs> That's not clear until MGS4 comes out, because Meryl doesn't appear in MGS2 or 3. Yeah. Well, it makes sense she wouldn't appear in 3. <laughs> I'm just saying. But there, but Otacon is in MGS2, so it's unclear but, that Meryl is even like alive until... Yeah, so it's like 1997 out. to like 2000, and when was 4? 08. Yeah, oh. wow. Yeah, I think 08. Um... A decade of no Meryl. Right. What? Not to be confused with the decade of Nomura. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that actually that that page where um that liquid panel's from is very funny because it's also the page where Vulcan shit talking. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What is it? He he calls Ocelot a little girl, right? Yeah, he calls him a little girl for running away. <laughs> oh no! So Liquid does first. And they both do it. <laughs> it's it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny that Vulcan is given so much spotlight in this comic, but they don't do the no snakes in Alaska line. <laughs> they cut out my favorite Vulcan the Raven line. Um, I will not fail. Um, I think it's interesting that they call everybody by, like, I know why, which is you can't, like, Ocelot is Ocelot, Vulcan Raven is Raven, Sniper Wolf is Wolf, mm -hmm. Octopus is Octopus, Liquid Snake is Liquid, because they can't just call him Snake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but why did Revolver Ocelot have that line where he's like, I'll show you why they call me Revolver? You have revolvers? Yeah, <laughs> like, I feel like it's obvious. <laughs> also, they call you Ocelot. They've been Ocelot since the 60s. <laughs> oh, I also love that the, the, the Secretary of State has the best, like, fake politician name. He's, the name's like Jim Houseman. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's so good. That, that MF extremely smells like milk. What? It's an Electra Assassin thing. I was gonna say that Jim Houseman has the name and face of somebody who used to work in like game development, but then like had some kind of public uh, <laughs> public relations nightmare. Yeah, they have yeah, like exactly one page of a fistfight at the end. It's like <sighs> I was I was really hoping for more from the fistfight at the end or from the escape sequence. You know, I understand maybe it. You, it's hard to do like the epic fist fight in oh, comics format. Um, die. Um, <laughs> but <Fox> like, die. <laughs> yeah, he wakes up. They have one page of punches. Yeah, and then he falls onto the piece of the wreckage. Right, right. Yeah, I think my disappointment was just, I, I, I would have liked the jeep sequence at the end a little bit, you know. Um, I feel also, like that would have played to this comic strength. Relax, kid. It's called Fox Die, not Geek Die. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a very... That era of comics. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm also, like, morbidly curious. Like, what does a CSI comic even look like? Oh, I, I could pull that up for us real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the other thing... Um, what was it? It was... Oh... The, one of the one of the bits in the game that I remember so fondly is the animation of Miller taking off his glasses and putting his hair down. Yeah. Which doesn't really happen in this, but it is like 
that frame of him doing that is such a good reveal. It's so good. Um, I am trying to find anything that isn't just the covers of these CSI comics and having... <laughs> yeah. Scroll down. You clicked something, so that changed where it was on the screen. Keep going. Okay. But I saw it a second before you clicked on that image. Okay. Um, let me just click this. Um, whatever. I'm going to send over a cover that's all right, I guess. <laughs> A, a cover that is giving Ashley Wood a little bit. I don't know if this is an Ashley Wood cover. It's giving but... Star Wars uh, late expanded universe. It is giving... Legacy of the Jedi. Shit. Yes, it absolutely is. Or, or Star Wars Legacy, what is it called? Not um, the comic, the the books. The uh... Dawn of the Jedi? <laughs> no, late. Oh, Jedi, New Jedi Order? No, after that. Uh, I, don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> You're the one who would know. Why am I guessing? <laughs> Fine, I'll lean over you. And type, since you won't uh, type for me. I want to say it's like Fate. Fate of the Jedi? Maybe. Yeah. Oh, have you seen the, the MGS2 uh, Joe Madreya drawing for GamePro? No. The Battle Chasers guy? I don't think it, so. It was It was back in the day. It's this one. This is what? <laughs> this is so powerfully ultimate X Men. <laughs> Who's that guy? That's not Goku. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Joe. Yeah, Battle Chasers himself. Why is Wolverine dressed up like Solid Snake? <laughs> Hugh Jackman um, as Solid Snake, <laughs> and. <laughs> Honestly, I think Hugh Jackman would do a pretty good solid and liquid. Yeah, sure. Oh, oh yeah, this guy literally did draw some uncanny X Men. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, they they oh the covers for MGS two oh, yeah. they took some panels from the actual game. I think. Look at this. <laughs> what is going this... on with? <laughs> What's going on those faces around the side? <laughs> I love Marvel versus Capcom three. <laughs> Okay, who would you pick in a Metal Gear Solid fighting game? Oh, Is it a 1v1 game? Yeah. Mm, uh, I feel I feel like Raiden would be like an S-tier character in, in a way that would be kind of boring to play him. Um, Active reload mechanics on Ocelot? <laughs> I, I guess I would go with um, Fortune. Fortune seems like she'd be fun in a fighting game. Part of me wants to say the pain. <laughs> but who's the pain! Most, is, is Liquid... Like, who's most likely to be a charge character? Liquid is a good choice for a charge character, I think. Because he doesn't have powers. Yeah. Um. um oh, do, do, do you think the World Trade Center is in the Metal Gear Solid 2 comic? Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it's from 2006, so... You know but, what? You know what? We know somebody who has the answer to this question. Let me um, message Jen real quick. Uh, <laughs> I My answer is Volgan, actually. Oh, Volgan is a good choice. Because I bet he plays very much like M. Bison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I love uh, an evil guy who's a little slow. That's why I play Ganon in Smash. Um, M. Bison, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, I am literally messaging Jen right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just looking uh, at stuff. Yeah. Uh, did you you know the the Lilo and Stitch one? Lilo and Stitch. Where they had an airplane going through the city, and then they changed it to be the spaceship going through like hills. Oh, sure. Um, Wait, this whole comic's just on. Oh, I feel this... like I've been talking about this a lot lately because also on stairwells on Friday we were talking about how um, uh, Blast and Trap Nest's secret that uh, Net Ren and Nana are in a relationship is revealed on September eleventh, two thousand and one. <laughs> um, and also I was. I was on some podcast talking about you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us, <laughs> which is the most post nine eleven thing um, in the world. Was that when I was just watching Spider Man over your shoulder? Yeah, yeah, I was watching Spider Man, and we, you came in uh, when <laughs> this is New York. Uh, please read the page I just posted. Thank you. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Oh, I'm watching a TikTok Norris sent me by mistake. <laughs> um, oh, is this from the MGS2 comic? Um, I worry about you, kid. I leave you alone for just a few hours and you're already buck naked and mumbling to yourself. <laughs> Snake? And what is that on the bottom? To be continued. Ah. Uh, um, I have a question about Raiden. Yeah. Where him balls? Where him balls at? <laughs> Um, a weird thing about these collections that we were reading is that they do not distinguish where one issue ends and the other begins, which I do. I read each of these volumes in like 45 minutes each, you know, um, and not knowing where an issue ends and the other begins, I think contributed to that because it just made me keep reading through. But also it was a little like, sometimes I was like, I would like to know how far into this story i am please uh the the wood art seems to work really well for this bit um yeah what is this um this is this is the bit of mgs2 that everyone knows oh fish and mailed and all that Ryden, listen something happened last thursday when i was it's driving home Zach's script yeah 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 one two seven one four five zero four zero um oh. it is pretty funny. MGS2 is a great video game. Holy shit. MGS2 is a great video game. Yeah. I wonder how many cartwheels Raiden does in this comic. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> Not enough is my answer. Even if he does one on every page, it's not enough. Um I'll I'll read those MGS2 comics. Especially Wait. if we can find physical copies of them. I found New York. I don't think there's a World Trade Center, though. Bummer. Okay. Alas. <laughs> Multiple people have said that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what else I was thinking about recently? Because uh -huh. this this came up when I was listening to War Rock and HX. The, uh, there's like a mid-90s issue of X Factor where Juggernaut blows up the World Trade Center. <laughs> huh. um, and those issues don't really get recollected in uh weird in... <laughs> if you're trying to read through all of x factor marvel does not make those issues uh easy to find uh -huh. <laughs> actually 
Here's the here's the skyline. Is one of those? It might be. That might be the World Trade Center back there. Yeah, I, I, I think on like the second panel on the far right. On yeah. That first one. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Discord is so slow loading images today for some reason. Hey, remember Solidus's arms? <laughs> yeah. How could I forget? No, remember no. His swords. <laughs> Democrat and Republican. <laughs> I forgot they're called Democrat and Republican. Yeah, because he wields both parties. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Sorry, two rocks, dude. <laughs> it also has like the legit one moment where Kojima doesn't reveal the mystery and it's one of the best moments in the entire series because of it. It's so good. Which is? The fortune bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> oh, is there, a, is there a thing in some deep lore that actually goes into it? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure that one has not come up in any other games. It comes up that. in the Evangelion uh, Nintendo 64 game, actually. <laughs> that's where that's where all the, the Evangelion Deep Lore is from, right? The Nintendo 64 game? I believe so. The Ancient Aliens? Yeah. Yeah. So... I think... Her dextrocardia allowed her to survive the wound. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But the... Oh, right. Before that... Before dying, Fortune miraculously deflected Metal Gear Rise mission missiles, protecting Raiden. Raiden? Raiden. Raiden's not in this game. <laughs> Snake and Solidus. And indicating that she did have an underlying psychic ability, to which Snake remarked that she really was Lady Luck. So yes, there is no actual... Like, I thought that there was like... Because I remember the timeline app on the PS3... <laughs> That gives you the lore bit that explains why, like, why, um... Don't, if it's the thing that I think you're going to say. It's a voice actor. Okay, okay. Why, um, in MGS4, Ocelot sounds the way that he does, and not the way that you might expect him to after playing MGS2, is because of a dumb little lore bit (laughs) in this timeline app. In from specifically from that timeline, okay. PS3 app. Also, the that the Dead Cells have the best uh, quote about them about the development of that game. That is the funniest thing in context of Metal Gear Solid. This quote is it kills me every time I read it. Oh. Um, she originally wore sunglasses alongside the rest of the Dead Cell unit, although it was cut in the final version. Um, in an interview with Shin. Shinkawa, uh, when asked about a concept artwork depicting her sunglasses, Shinkawa explained that the reason for the change uh, was because they had seen the 1999 cyberpunk film The Matrix during the game's development, and they didn't want to use sunglasses <laughs> due to characters in that film frequently wearing them. Um, Imagine you're Metal Gear Solid and you don't want to copy a film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm looking at a Shinkawa drawing of um Fortune right now. Uh, are you sure? Uh <laughs> I I'm not sure that that's Fortune. Oh, yeah, the the other thing about that is um Vamp was originally a girl and then they developed Fortune and they switched Vamp to a guy. <laughs> that's stupid. I just I don't remember uh 
Fortune's skin being quite so white, Shinkawa. I think we need to ask some questions about uh, your 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 Caucasian fortune here. <laughs> also, is is Scott Dolph just a guy who works at Konami? Uh, I'm not familiar with Scott Dolph. It's uh, her father's name in MGS2. Oh, sure. But it's, it, oh, he's in the God. credits of the first issue of this comic. Behind the scenes... The character of Scott Dolph was named after the Konami representative of the okay, same there we name, go. Um, who at one point was Kojima's personal translator. Oh, yeah, okay, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, he's, he's in the credits of the first issue, helping them get this whole thing to work. Oh, he's also one of the hostage voice actors in MGS2. Oh, oh this, um, this reminds me of just the other day, um, I was excuse me, listening to Reprise, and I had to run to the group chat to ask, wait, is there a character named Peter Stillman in Metal Gear Solid 2? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep, there is. And it is, in fact, a reference to Paul Auster City of Glass, which is fucking silly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could not believe the synchronicity of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Metal um, Gear. Metal Gear. Um, Nora, where could people find you online? You can find me on various social media platforms on the under the name Skull Daughter. You can find stuff I've done at NoraBlake.online. You can find more podcasts at a location to be revealed by you. Rick, where could people find you online? Uh, you can find me at Combat the Rick V on all the websites and here. Um, you can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at autumnal coffee, where I post tons of that, that Batman screenshot I did of Norm Brayfogle Batman towering over a little girl and asking, uh, is your father home is very funny. So people should check that out on co-host. Um, and, um, you can go to exportodd.io to get to our Patreon page. Um, you get, uh, for $1, early access to all our podcasts. For $5, you get bonus episodes of this podcast and a backlog of other stuff, like Pop Town Funk, which we haven't done in a little while, but, you know, we could do it again. We can always pick the sword back up. Um, first, we have to pick the fist back up. First, we get, we gotta get through Fisty. Um, Which volume are you currently on? I have read volume six. Nora needs to read volume six so that we can Correct. podcast about it. We're at the big Judah. the big guys there, right? Uh there's many big guys. You're gonna have no, to No, like specific. the the guy. Uh Keno? Rao? No, well, Rao, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rao when last we met we were introduced to the horse for the first time. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um big horse. <laughs> we we really got to do the the podcast about volume six because I need to talk about Dog Bastard Golf, the funny, <laughs> a character so funny I had to stop reading Fist of the North Star for a, for a day because I couldn't stop laughing at. Uh, we're in Dogtown where the dogs make law. <laughs> Look, dogs make the rules. It's also the holiday season, which means on Export Audio there'll be a a podcast yes. that's been going on for a few years. On on Thursday, we will be recording the Export Audio Holiday Special with Nia, um, and there might be a drinking game involved this year. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I have listened right, to all I've... those, and I've not seen a second of that movie yet. 
you you just signed your up for yourself up for year six. It sounds like it sounds like you're going to be on that podcast next year, my friend. Uh, oh no! What have I done? Um. Uh, and so yeah, just scheduling stuff for this podcast coming up. Um, I think this is this episode we're doing right now is probably our last episode of 2023. Um, I guess we could record on the 31st, um, but I think last year, our first um, episode of the year, or 2023, our first episode of the year was Jack Kirby, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I thought it would be fun to start off 2024 with another Jack Kirby comic. And, and so I we're thought it would be fun to yes. <laughs> play off the Pop Down Funk episode and, and read The Eternals. Yes, I'm an Eternal Fastos. I'm an Eternal Fastos. <laughs> um, I've never read the Eternals, so that was in January. Yeah, I was just flipping through it recently, and it made me think of it. Um, you kind of hit the one year during Hunter Hunter and didn't realize it really. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> um, and so um, we'll do that. I think, um, and then the other two episodes we have on the docket are. Um, uh, we'll do Automatic Kafka with you, Nora. We'll do Finder Sin Eater with Mark, also in January. Um, I gotta count up what are the paid episodes, what are the free episodes, and figure out what's going in the $5 tier and what's going in the free tier. I'm worth $5. Yeah. Hi, friends. It's Autumn coming at you from the editing room, hopefully with less echoey audio. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so... Metal Gear Solid is going to be in the free tier, which you probably already know if you've listened to this far into the podcast. Um, we are going to do our first episode of 2024 on Eternals. That will also be a free episode. That's going to tip us over into there will have been 18 free episodes and 15 paid episodes. And so we will do Finder Sin Eater as a um, paid episode, $5 tier, exportodd.io. Um that's the first 14 issues of Finder, which you can find in the Finder library. Uh, volume 1 collects the first 22 issues. Um, after that, we'll do Automatic Kafka with Nora. That'll also be in the $5 tier. And then after that, um, I was talking to somebody about plans for February, um, which would involve a one free episode and one paid episode, because we would split something in half. Haven't talked to Rick about it yet, so I'm gonna not going to announce it here. Um... But, um, words, 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 what was I talking about? So yeah, maybe Rick and I do one that's just the two of us that's a paid episode, and then we'll be back at like 18 free episodes, 18 paid episodes, and hopefully we can get more into the alternating schedule like we like to do. You know, Hunter Hunter, and then coming out of Hunter Hunter sort of threw off the schedule, but um, I think we've been on a hot streak with this podcast, and I hope everybody's enjoying it. Back to the episode, because there's a little antics we have to get up to before the end of this one. Uh, a bit about Kafka is, it's basically a, a robot man type character, overdoses on robot drugs, and has a near-death experience. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And then wants to, to get more robot drugs to keep doing that to figure out what's going on inside his brain. And um, Joe Casey, for those who don't know, and this will make sense to Autumn more than Nora, um, he's basically the Al Ewing of like a decade ago. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to read some Godland uh, before our I next. don't know what you mean. That made perfect sense to me. I know yeah? exactly who that is. That's the guy who played 
one of the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> the only the only Al Ewing stuff I've read is I read I read most of Immortal Hulk. I kind of dropped Immortal Hulk after the um uh anti-Semitism shit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. With artists. But yeah, uh that's not on Al Ewing at all, um, from what I understand. Um and um I I do know him by reputation enough to understand the Al Ewing of a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, it's like there was like Milligan and Morrison and those guys and then underneath that there's like the Casey's of the world, and then Casey and his friends hit that Ben Ten money, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to I want to read some Godland. I think I've I think I've poked through Godland a bit. Um, that's a Joe Casey Tom Scioli comic, which is also Tom Scioli is um, the the trying very hard to be the Jack Kirby of the 2010s, um, <laughs> yeah. and mostly succeeding. But it feels weird to to say that he is that. You know, he did a Mario uh, comic. Did he really? It was, a, it was a web thing. It was just a really long panel of Mario going down a pipe. Okay. <laughs> I'll have First. to check this out. I, don't know if I mostly I'll... know him through Transformers G.I. Joe and uh, Ambarb. Yeah. Transformers Man, American Barbarian rocks, dude. <laughs> what a comic. Transformers vs. G.I. Joe. Have you have you read uh, Transformers vs. G.I. Joe, the movie, the adaptation? Yes. Okay, good, good. That's my... Uh, that... I don't like it as much as Transformers vs. G.I. Joe, but I do like it quite a bit. <laughs> that comic's that comic's funny because I almost like years ago brought it to a beach house. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You know what? That would on Beach but, House getting the two of them the, to talk about. Both about of it. them I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm okay, I have found this Mario comic and I will have to read through this in a in just a minute. Um or I have found some screenshots, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, this is not the full thing. The th um, thing I always remember about uh, Transformers GI Joe is this comparison, which I made like exactly upon reading the issue. Which is my so my brain's broken, but yeah. Um, I would I would love to hear Jackson and M talk about Transformers versus GI Joe. Well, I don't... The thing is, is that Optimus Prime can only be one thing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh sure yeah uh for listeners rick has sent um i can't remember this guy's fucking name um but there's it's a Ken wind yeah oh okay okay wind like winds not wind <laughs> <laughs> um there's um a guy from gi joe kicking his feet up on on the desk in the oval office and there's ken wind kicking his feet up on the desk and and holding a massive like automatic uh weapon and the pose are uh, the exact same yeah 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 uh, you don't remember what the name of the desk is no <laughs> national, national treasure lore yeah what <laughs> the resolute desk right yeah <laughs> why do i remember Apparently. that why do i remember that <laughs> Um. Uh, wait. Uh, so, Nora, do you know what we're talking about? All Transformers versus GI Joe. I don't know anything about Transformers okay. or GI Joe. Here, here's a page for you. Just one page. Um. I guess I know a lot more about Transformers than I know about GI Joe. What do we got here? This is uh, Destro announcing Gun God meet your avatar. <laughs> Because he meets, um, fucking, what's his, I, I have, 
Megatron, thank you. I had Destro stuck in my head. He meets Megatron, the Transformer who transforms into a gun, and he decides to worship Megatron like a deity, and he announces to Megatron, Gun God, meet your avatar. It's fucking radical. Okay, who the fuck is Destro? Destro is the guy who builds all the cool weapons for um So, Cobra you know Commander. Cobra Commander's there? And the guy with the mask or the hood? Uh, he's the yeah. Starscream of the, the bad guys, and Destro is the Megatron. Yes. I thought Kim- Cobra was the bad guy. No, he, yeah. he's, he's the sniveling one who runs away all the time. That's his whole bit. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. The, I think the same voice actor, too. That might be Peter Wyatt. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't I don't know G.I. Joe cartoons at all. I only know Larry Hama G.I. Joe. <laughs> Which I Which think come is up also true of lot. Tom Seoli. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the funniest part about that comic that I will say vaguely is uh, Sam Witwicky comes up in that comic. Yes. So yes, fucking he funny. <laughs> he really does. I asked Autumn a question about Sam Witwicky and she didn't know the answer. No, no, <laughs> no. You asked me, do, do you remember Sam Witwicky? And I was like, of course I remember Sam Witwicky. Well, that was after I said, do you remember that time Sam Witwicky went to... Like, died and went to robot heaven. <laughs> okay, I did not remember that. But you asked me, do you remember who Sam Witwicky is? And I'm like, yes, I remember who Sam Witwicky is. <laughs> um, I, the He's thing, a prime. <laughs> the thing I always think about from Transformers versus G.I. Joe, uh, if, if people don't know, Nora and or listeners, issue 21 of Larry Hama G.I. Joe is the silent interlude where... Um, Snake Eyes, like, in a totally wordless issue, infiltrates Cobra Commander's castle. Um, And in issue zero of Transformers vs. G.I. Joe, Snake Eyes uh, hasn't started the thing where he doesn't talk yet. And so there's the silent interlude, which is one page where uh, he's just thinking a ton. And so it's silent because he's not talking, but the uh, whole page is just, like, wall-to-wall words, which is fucking hilarious. (laughs) That's um, really this comic. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. Transformers Service GI Joe rocks. The, I'm just looking so at the dumb jokes, and it's so funny. Uh, the the bottom panel of this page, the joke in it is the dumbest joke I think I've ever read in a comic, but it makes me laugh every time. I hate it. Um, just the line in the bottom panel. It's so GI Joe meets your replacement GI Jonine. <laughs> Dude, a There's a bunch of ninjas. <laughs> Why is there a Colgate ribbon? Because uh, he's got a sword with a ribbon on it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Fuck, I hate that. <laughs> I hate how dumb it is, but it's so perfect. <laughs> I want to I wanna briefly explain G.I. Joe the movie, the adaptation, very, very briefly. Yeah, G.I. Sure, Joe vs. Transformers is a 13-issue series... Um, and then Tom Scioli follows it up with G.I. Joe vs. Transformers, the movie, the adaptation, where he imagines what a movie of G.I. Joe vs. Transformers would have been, and he <laughs> adapts that movie into a one-issue comic, which is incredible. <laughs> okay, we we have to be done here. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a bit, there's so bit that I want to talk about, I don't want to spoil people, but yeah, it's just really good. Anyways. It's just really good. <laughs> Oh. Um, Autumn knows what I'm talking about when I say issue 8 of this comic has the best sequence in one of these <laughs> man <laughs> 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 
Anyways, I'm yeah. gonna show up on our uh, I'm gonna show up on our Eternals episode and talk about GI Joe versus Transformers, <laughs> aren't I? Um. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> uh, stop.